Hey, to all the real estate professionals out there, I want to let you know the Buyer's Mind is sponsored by Homebridge Financial. Homebridge loan officers are experts in new home financing, and they bring sales ideas and strategies and market intelligence and programs that will help sell homes. To learn more about that, go to builder.homebridge.com. Homebridge Financial, home financing made easy. Do you have a mind for sales? Today's guest certainly does. Stay tuned for more on The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shaw. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of The Buyer is Mine, the podcast where we want to know the way that customers make purchase decisions. And today we're going to look at the sales mind, the mind for sales. Joined, as always, by our show producer, Paul Murphy. Um, Murphy, what do you think? You know, we, when we first started working together, you didn't really know a lot about sales. I hired you as the technical guy. Well, what do you think? Do you now have a mind for sales? What, what are you thinking? Gosh, you know, I, I've asked myself that question. Could I actually leave the position I'm in right now and jump into sales? And I think I've got a lot more under my belt. I don't have any practical experience, but I've got at least a lot more knowledge to certainly go apply it. Yeah, uh, well, fair enough. And I get that. And, and not everybody even wants to have that uh, sales role. And I understand that. But it's it's certainly in our best interest to understand what goes on. And I agree, Murph, over time, you have certainly gained that bit of knowledge. Uh, I will say, Murph, not as much knowledge as Mark Hunter. I hope you're not offended. What? Come on. I, I, I could. <laughs> no, I couldn't take him. I couldn't take him if I tried. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark is the author of the book, A Mind for Sales, and he was the right person to write the book because Mark is, in addition to being a good guy, he's deeply introspective. And today we're going to take a journey into uh, our minds as sales professionals about how we think. Let's listen to our recording with Mark Hunter. Well, I'm so excited to have back on the podcast uh, the great Mark Hunter, the Sales Hunter, as he is known. That's also his website, thesaleshunter.com. We'll put that in the show notes so that you can look it up. Mark is one of the just foremost authorities on the subject of sales. His book, High Profit Prospecting, is legendary in the industry. His new book, A Mind for Sales, we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Prolific speaker, author, coach, mostly, though, a really, really good guy, and I'm pleased and proud to call him a, a good friend. Mark Hunter, welcome to The Buyer's Mind. Thank you for having me on The Virus Mind. I didn't realize that was the name of the show, but hey, I, I will echo, you are one great guy, too. So now that uh, we've exchanged the pleasantries, let's get into it. <laughs> the Virus Mind? Is, it, is that what you said? The Virus Mind? I said the virus mind, but that's what you said. So, you know, <laughs> wherever do we come up with this thing? Uh, yeah, here we are in the throes. Uh, how you holding up, Mark? And more specifically, how is your family doing with you not being on the road? You're, you're road boy. Normally you're all out there and now suddenly you're stuck at home. How's that going? We are doing just fine. I've been home yeah. now. This is Groundhog Day number 37 yeah. that I've been home. And you know what? It's working out really well. So my wife still loves me. So it's uh -huh. working. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I, I can concur. I, I would uh, suggest very much the same here. Uh, it, it has been an interesting journey. And it's it's funny because I'm pretty much an introvert by nature. So it's not like I'm like, hey, let's go party even when there's not a global pandemic going on. And yet, you know, it sort of takes away your freedom and it, it makes you a little bit uh, a little bit antsy at times. Have you sensed that? Have you felt that yourself? Oh, yeah, I've I have felt. Very, very antsy. Uh, but you know what? Again, this is just a, a short little window in time. We yeah. will get through it and um, we'll look back and say, wow, look at amazing things that we learned during this period. Yeah, I think that that's right. I don't think it's too early to be asking the question, not how do we get through this, but what will we become on the other side? I think that's really the important question. I don't think it's too early to be able to uh, to ask about that. Are you looking forward to being back on the road or are you looking at it and going, I think I'm kind of enjoying this staying at home thing? Well, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. What I'm finding is I'm busier than ever because you take the travel out and it's amazing yeah. how many more conversations you can have. Sure, my, my life will be a little bit different going forward. I may not travel as much, but you know what? Um, I, I think out of this, I'm growing immensely personally and professionally. And um, I'm using this period to my advantage. You had no choice to some extent because here you got this book release uh, just out, A Mind for Sales, which we'll get into here in just a little bit. But it was interesting to me, you know, I know how long it takes to write and publish a book, right? So I've, we've got a book coming out on sales follow-up. As you know, it'll be out this summer. And uh, But the book's been written, actually, for already quite some time. It's in the production, the editing process. It's It'll go into promotion here soon. There's a lot that goes into it. So you've been actually working on A Mind for Sales for quite some time. What did it do to you when suddenly... Uh, the whole world is going to sort of shut down and you're not going to be traveling and you, you, the conferences are getting postponed. You were going to be out there talking a lot about a mind for sales. Was your first reaction, oh no, this is bad? Or was your first reaction just, okay, we'll figure it out and we'll, we'll, we'll make the best of it? Well, my reaction was the latter because we will figure it out. You know, think about it. Sales is about finding solutions. And I don't mm -hmm. care what the obstacle is. It's our job to find a solution. And I knew I wanted to get this book out in front of people. I knew I wanted them to read it because I knew it could help them. In other words, I mean, I, I felt I had the ability to help people. So it's my responsibility. So despite all the obstacles that were being thrown in, into my face, I had to eat my own dog food. If I write the book, A Mind for Sales, and I say, no, we're not going to launch it now. Right. How can I say that I have a mind for sales? <laughs> it's a great point. And as it, as it has turned out, we have discovered that people have a longer attention span than they did uh, in the current environment. And as such, the launch has been just a tremendous success. And congratulations to you. I, I, I mean, listen, as somebody who is sort of an insider on these things, I've watched the way you've launched it. It has been a tremendous exercise and, and classic case study of a successful launch. But boy, this book just went to the top of the charts right away. Always an author's wildest dream come true. Yes. Well, well, it has been, but I'll tell you what, it's not me. It was the team I assembled. And again, this is one of those lessons in sales. Mm -hmm. Sales is not a solo sport. You know this well, it's a team sport and you better have good people on your team. And I'm very blessed to have great people on my team. Let's get back to what caused you to want to write the book in the first place. So I think what 
what happens here for people in that expert space, uh, what happens? They look into they ask the question, what am I consumed with first and what am I processing through? We have to become masters of that subject matter first before we can put it out there. So take us back to the journey that caused you to want to write this book in the first place. Well, the journey began really with my first book, which is, was about how to maximize price, high profit mm-hmm. selling. Mm-hmm. And it was funny after I wrote that book, people came to me and said, okay, this is great, but I can't close. I can't close the sale because I don't have the right prospect. Then I realized, wait a minute, you got to start with the right prospects. I use the line. You can't take a Walmart shopper and turn them into a Nordstrom customer. So you got to start mm-hmm. with the right prospect. So that's what led me to write the book, high profit prospecting. So then I write the book and, and it's a very, it's, it's a very much of a how to book. This is step-by-step process. Here's how you prospect. But then people were still struggling. And I said, well, you're going to struggle unless you have the right mindset. So then I said, wait a minute, let's jump to the front of the line again and let's write a mind for sales. Mm -hmm. So really what I did was I just wrote a series of prequels. Really, it was just right out of the whole Star Wars thing. You know, I'm just going to do prequel books. Well, it's interesting because one of the chapters in A Mind for Sales, it's chapter 20, that the title is Sales is Not a Numbers Game. Sales is a Quality Game. And boy, I think that there are some old schoolers out there with that that would call heresy on that. It's just the more people you talk to, the greater your chance of success. And uh, you're looking at it and saying, "Hold on a second, let's let's look at quality over quantity." Yeah, I tell you what, I got a lot of pushback on that chapter when I was kind of sharing it, sharing it with some of my peers and so forth. And but here's the whole thing: yes, sales is the numbers game. I totally get that. You you can't expect every person you talk to to translate into a customer. But here's what I find. It is quality. What I want to do is I want to create a deeper relationship with my prospects. When I create a deeper relationship, it's amazing how I uncover their real needs. What are their real needs? I can create the real value for them. I'm going to be able to close the sale. And of course, closing the sale, that's, ooh, that, that's, I'm opening a relationship. I'm going to open this relationship and what is it going to do? It's going to create a greater level of satisfaction for you, the customer, and actually for me. And it really comes back to, am I passionate about helping people? See, if I'm passionate about helping people, I want to spend more time with you. Thus, it's quality. This is interesting, too, because as, as you have written in the book, you talk about this concept that you get the customer's that you deserve. And uh, I, I thought that that was a really an interesting concept. You know, one of the things that that uh, that I have taught in this is a conversation I've had with Ryan Taft on my team here that we train people how to treat us. We train, we literally train people how to treat us. And so, you know, when, if you're just a person who's all just numbers, 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 I don't care about who you are. I just care if you're going to buy well, guess what you're going to get by the time you're done? You're going to get the customer you deserve. Whereas if we are cultivating relationships with the people that we think are uh, the people that I can serve the most, that's a completely different mindset. That is completely different. And that's how you're going to wind up creating the downstream volume, the referrals, all of that additional business that you're going to get from them. You know, that was a lesson I learned the hard way because back at the beginning of the book, I share the story about how I got fired from my first two sales jobs because Mm -hmm. I believe that customers were really nothing more than bowling pins to be knocked over. Mm -hmm. And I didn't value the relationship. And gee, it's a wonder why I really wound up with bad customers because I treated them badly. 
and you and I have both heard it, right? The the old school. I don't care if they like me. I just wanted to buy from me. And I would argue that it is certainly possible to sell to someone who doesn't like you, but it, it's not much fun. <laughs> it's not very rewarding for either side by the time you're done. It's not the recipe for long-term success. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I thoroughly, you know, I, I don't call sales a job. I don't call it a profession. I call it a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because chapter I five thoroughly, in your book, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thoroughly mm-hmm. love sales because it's about helping people. And if I can help people and they know that I'm trying to help them, I create a deeper, better relationship. Mm-hmm. And when I create a deeper, better relationship, it's amazing what comes out of it. And customers are smart. Let's not kid ourselves. The, the days of, of being able to you know, pull the wool over the customer's eyes, that's long gone. They can understand, especially now, especially right now, you think about this, relationships that better be authentic. They better be authentic. And how do you do that? You have to create a level of authenticity and integrity. And again, the customer can smell it. The customer can see it. But when they see it and feel it, it's amazing how much more comfortable they become in willing to share with you. And what does that do? That creates a level of trust. Trust is the currency of business. It, it, w- without trust, I'm not going to be able to close anything. I'm not going to be able to make anything happen. That's right. not going to be extremely price-oriented. And let me just pause here real quick for a quick word about our sponsor, Novi Home. Well, this podcast is sponsored by Novi Home. Novi Home is a digital sales and marketing tool that gives your new home sales team everything they need for powerful follow-up. In our changing environment, Novi Home allows you to engage buyers when you're not face-to-face. Novi Home offers your buyers a phenomenal digital buying experience that is personalized for your company. Novi Home also takes all of your marketing materials and plugs it into your branded builder app. Novi Home's analytics give your sales team real-time insight into which leads are engaging and exactly what they are looking at, which enables powerful follow-up. Visit NoviHome.com to schedule a demonstration today. That's N-O-V-I-Home.com. Listeners of this podcast will save 10% on the monthly service. All right, back into our topic now. When you look at that idea that sales, as you just said, is not your job, sales is your lifestyle, talk a little bit about the take versus give mindset. I think that after all this time, that's still a point of confusion for a lot of salespeople, the, the concept of the take approach versus the give approach. Oh, yeah. This, this you know, again, um, I, I go back to a quote, and I'm going to butcher it by Zig Ziglar. The best way to achieve your goals is to help others achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. And that concept gets lost in today's world. But here's what I find. If I wind up completing a sale to you, Jeff Shore, but you're not happy. Does that do me any good? Okay. I may get a commission. I may, I may have completed the sale now, but does that really do me any good? No, it's going to, it's going to do more harm for me long-term. So I have really got to understand how do I help you? How do I help you? Now, here's a flip side on this. When we get on an airplane, oh, remember airplanes? We used to fly on those lot. Remember how, you know, how the flight attendant always says to put your air mask on first before right. helping those around you. So you, you do have to do it from a position of strength by all means of helping. But that position of strength is not 
taking from people, that position of strength is being confident with people in you being able to share with them and ask them questions and challenge their, yes, challenge their thinking, challenge them, but they accept it because they know, because they trust you. And as a result, the level of confidence becomes higher on both sides. We've all been in, we've all been in transactions where there's a high degree of confidence on both sides. And it's amazing how smooth it goes. Conversely, oh man, we've been in situations where it's not there. And it's like pulling teeth. It's painful. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, now this leads us, this is so great because you're providing the segues. Normally as the podcast host, it's my job to provide the segues, but you're providing them uh, perfectly here. Thank you, Mark. You're making my life so much easier. Uh, but this segue takes us in, back into chapter four, the idea that sales is leadership and that leadership is sales. Uh, when, we, when we think about uh, leadership as a sales function, uh, then we see this idea that I have this expertise to help you take care of that problem. But one of the things that I'm seeing right now that I think is a really interesting phenomenon surrounding the shelter in place is that the discovery, the online uh, search that people are doing right now is far more extensive. They have more time to park on a website and on a competitor's website. There's an argument that before they talk to a salesperson, they know way more today than they would have even two months ago, right? Before we got into this whole mess. So I look at it from that side then, and I think that there's a new role for the salesperson as the leader, because uh, if if a customer comes to us and says, I was on your website and I'm really interested in this product, well, is that really the right product for them? And it may be, but it might not be. And if you're a salesperson who just looks at it and says, okay, well, if you're interested in that product, that's what I'm going to sell to you. But the salesperson as a leader in a leadership role might very well have to say, I don't want to walk with you down the wrong path for you. This is a real mindset change that I think we all need to get used to pretty darn quick here. Oh, wow. You just really opened up Pandora's box there because it it is so true. Our customer has never been more educated than right now. And that means we as the salesperson had better get just as educated, if not more. But it starts with being confident, you see, because you're right. Somebody says, oh, this is what I'm looking for in the old school. Salesperson would say, "Okay, let's write it up. Let's let's make it happen. And no, I got to be willing to push back and see right here becomes the difference. Am I viewing you as a human being or am I viewing you as a transaction? Mm -hmm. And that is a mindset shift that unfortunately desperate salespeople will view it as a transaction. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is they begin going down this rat hole that everything becomes a transaction. And and then again, this goes back to the reason I was fired from my first two jobs. Mm -hmm. But if I come at you and look at you from a leadership standpoint, I'm going to, I'm going to look at, look at my role as leading and, and helping and being confident in treating you as an individual. Wow. That's going to change the conversation completely because if all it is is a transaction, I can be replaced. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's I think that that's the critical point. There is no room for a true salesperson if this is only a commodity transaction at that point. 
Uh, my wife and I recently purchased a dog. Um, you know, we had we had a 18 year old Jack Russell that we lost last year, and we went through that process. Are we going to get another dog? And and we we finally found what we were looking for. It was a it was a, and we found it completely online. By the way, everything was online. And this is a trainer and seller. She trains dogs that other people are selling, and then she sells them. And I'm sure there's some sort of commission deal or split the profit, whatever it is. The dog was called uh, Blackjack. And we said, oh, Blackjack. Yeah, we like Blackjack. We saw the videos online. It was all good. Then we got finally got on the phone after a long bit of discovery on the website, looking at all these different dogs. We got on the phone. We started to chat. And this lady started to ask us a bunch of questions about us and about our lives and about the way that we live and about our interests and everything else. And she finally said, listen, I think you would be very, very happy with Blackjack. I really do. But you also want to look at Brody. Uh, there are things about Brody that might make him a, make him a better fit uh, for your life. And uh, by the time we're done, we just absolutely fell in love with Brody. We've had him now for two weeks and he's great. But that is what we're talking about right there. That a salesperson has to be both gutsy enough and customer centric enough to disagree with what the customer said. That takes some guts. That requires a confident person. And I don't know if you can hear in the background, but my dog is echoing your conversation. My dog is barking <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Well, I will tell you, we've had this dog for two weeks that hasn't barked yet. We're not sure that it knows how. So we, I think we got a good one here. Let's get into some of the uh, practical and tactical that you bring out in the book, because it's not just, hey, everybody, think better. There are some real practical stuff. For example, very early on in the book, in fact, it's chapter one, where you say Mondays are for selling, and you really take sort of a big swipe at the very idea that spending your day getting organized on Monday is a really, really bad strategy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I got some pushback on that one, but I love it. I can love it. See, here's the whole thing. Too many people ease their way into the week ease their way in. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what day of the week, you know, how you structure your week, but you want to make that first day of your work week be the most productive day of the week. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it sets the tone and the tempo. It's the same reason why I get up at about 4.30 every morning. And the first activity I do once I start work is high productivity. It's my high productivity. It's an email I got to respond to. It's a challenge I got to deal with. It's something. But what does it do? It, it gets me moving and it creates momentum. Momentum creates momentum. And I see too many people wasting, whether it be Monday or maybe it's a different day of the week as their first day of the work week. They waste it just kind of gearing up. And then you wind up just wasting 20% of your work week. Yep. We've seen it happen. And you might have been very responsive and even say you were busy all day long, but you weren't productive. You weren't doing the things you need to do. You know, for me, I live and breathe by my Friday afternoon planning session because Monday is the first day of my work week. And I always close my Friday with my planning session, not just for the week to come, but that includes scheduling Monday uh, hour by hour. I've got it all lined up so I know exactly what I'm going to do. So by the time I show up on Monday morning, I don't have to say now, where was I? What was I supposed to be doing? It's all lined out there in front of me. And I, I just could not agree more. You want to take on that week actively. You don't want to you don't want to walk into your office or into your selling environment with a big question mark like what should I be doing uh, another thing you talk about here is in chapter 14, that your network is your best investment. And I don't think anybody's going to uh, disagree with you, except for the fact that 
many of the listeners right now are in lone wolf environments, right? They have territories that they drive to, or they have sales offices that they sit in by themselves. Those people come to them, or, or maybe it's just a very highly competitive environment they're in where they don't want to really uh, work with people around them. They've got that lone wolf aspect to them. How do you expand your network if you live your life like a lone wolf? Well, it's very easy to live your life as a lone wolf. I mean, you're right. I mean, sales can be very, very lonely. But what you got to do is you got to find, hey, who are those peers? Maybe it's somebody else around the country. Maybe it's somebody, you know, I'm in a couple of mastermind groups. And one of my mastermind groups, a person lives in Minnesota, Colorado, and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And we're competitors. But you know what? We share ideas on the phone. We share and we lift each other up. We challenge each other's thinking. See, this is the whole thing. Uh, I, I'm a, we're, we're all social animals. I, I don't care if we're introvert or extrovert. We're all social. And we need to get stimulus. We need to get stimuli from other people and other things. And what I found this, when I have a network, and go back to Jim Rohn said this line, you become the sum of the five people you associate with the most. So that means I want to really hang out with really smart people. So you're right. I may be sitting in a sales office all day long, just waiting for people to come by. But you know what? There's somebody else just like me in some other city, some other area. Mm-hmm. I need to be connecting with them. I need yeah. to create that network. Uh, let's uh, go to chapter 17 where our mutual friend Jack, all over the place. I love it. I, I love it. Uh, I am. Uh, Jack Kozakowski is going to have a problem with this. Chapter 17 is uh, entitled social selling is neither social nor selling. Ouch. Expand Ouch. please. <laughs> well, let me go ahead and share with this because here's my whole contention. Social selling is neither social nor selling because here's what, here's my contention on. Now I got nothing wrong with social media. I love social media. I'm on social media a lot. We all are. It's, it's the business of sales, but what you don't want is you don't want this whole thing where you connect with somebody and how many times have you done this? You've connected with somebody and two seconds later, they're pitching you on something. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Right. That's not, that's that. No, let's develop a relationship. You see my goal and I'll give, Jack kudos on this because mm-hmm. he was talking about this years ago. What your goal is, is to take that online connection and turn it into an offline conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to create sales from my social media network. I do. I want to help other people sell. I want to, I want to help that, but I'm going to create the relationship. Let's put the social in it first, create the relationship. The selling follows. Mm-hmm. I I certainly love your approach that social can just suck us into this vortex that is largely unproductive. And then the next thing you know, we post something that we think is uh, going to get us sales. But what we're, what we're really doing is just looking to see how many likes we got. And uh, as you point out in your book, appropriately so, you cannot take clicks and likes to the bank. Yeah, that's uh, about right here. Um, chapter 19, quit thinking marketing will get you leads. Isn't that the job of marketing to get you leads? <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, I had a conversation on this this morning with a marketing person who actually called me and challenged me on that. Mm-hmm. You know, marketing will say it's our goal to bring you leads. And I get it. It's something very measurable. It's something very measurable. My role, my view of marketing is to create awareness 
and to educate the customer. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's my job in sales to now bring you in and to close you. Now, if I'm in sales, Hey, I'm going to take leads from marketing. Sure. I'm never not going to turn down, but what I don't want is I don't want sales. And this is what makes me angry is when sales says, well, our quarterly numbers, we didn't achieve our quarterly numbers. It's all marketing's fault because they didn't give us good leads. See, that's what I, I don't stand for. Mm-hmm. My feeling is this, you know, your customer best. I'm talking to you, the salesperson. That means you probably know who your ideal customer profile is. That means you've probably done a good job of delivering other success to your customers. So what about your referral network? What about the leads you're creating? You have an obligation yourself to create leads. Don't pass off the most important function, the most activity, the most important activity in sales, lead generation to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Own love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, we're just about out of time. It, it's check, uh, section five of the book is the future of sales. L- let's talk about that. But you you wrote that whole section before we were whole, all in this coronavirus thing. So let's talk a little about the future of sales, because uh, I, I'm asking myself the question. I think most of us in our circles, Mark, are asking the question, what's different? What's different by the time we get out of this? And I, one thing that I'm looking at is, uh, to me, this is just a it's it's a small thing, but but it's got a big impact. The if you think about the icon of a sales relationship, and you could probably prove this by doing a Google search on sales. Just put salesperson in Google. Go to Google Images, and what will you see? You'll see a handshake. And, and I think this handshake, the icon of sales over time, we may we may see that just flat go away by the time we're done. Uh, just one example, but when you look at the future of sales in a post-COVID-19 world, what are you seeing? Authenticity and integrity. This is without a doubt, because fraud is getting blown out of the system. This This environment that we're in, is really giving every salesperson the ability to get their MBA Mm -hmm. because they're getting their MBA by improving their listing skills, by developing their empathy skills, by developing their communication skills, really nothing more than we should have been doing all along, Mm -hmm. but we just had it given it to us in a very accelerated manner. I need a chance. We don't exactly. We don't have a chance. And if you don't want to subscribe to that, you're not Mm -hmm. going to be able to be around. Because yeah, the right. transaction sale is gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. I think those are wise words. I think that this will force our hand. Our hand. You're not going to have a chance in sales if you don't figure that part of it out, that that interpersonal connection, that that uh, relationship, that trust, that sense of partnership. Uh, these are the things that are going to mark us going forward. Uh, Mark, uh, as always, just so good having you um, on the podcast. And we, we certainly look forward to when we can see you back out on the road delivering the keynote speeches that you are so very, very proficient at and so good at. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to follow Mark, go to thesaleshunter.com. But for sure, go out and buy A Mind for Sales on Amazon or wherever you buy books. But but I just want to make a suggestion here to you. Uh, read it as, uh, don't just read it like, I want to get through this book. No, no, no. This is a book you don't read to get through it. This is a book you read to say, what will it get out of me? So ask yourself questions in the margins as you go through. Is this me? Is this me? 
Just challenge yourself. Let that book carry you through the way that you evaluate your own presentation. You'll be better off forward. Mark, thanks for being on the program. Thank you. There you have it. The great Mark Hunter, always inspiring. Buy the book. You won't be sorry. You can follow Mark at thesaleshunter.com. We appreciate him being on the podcast. Until next time, my friends, go out there and change someone's world. 